It is Tuesday. It is September 21st, the day that Earth, Wind, and Fire are singing about in this song. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Love changing the minds of pretenders. And after last night, there is a no change when it comes to the Canadian government. Some 36 days later, and roughly some $600 million later as well, well, here we are once again with a liberal minority government. Uh, last count, liberals, 158 seats last night. Coming like this close, really, when you think about it, to a majority. Needed only 170. And they're at 158 seats with still some ballots to be counted and some ridings to be decided. So, I mean, all of these polls that suggested it was a, a tight race and definitely a minority uh, government, we came fairly close to getting a, a majority. Uh, conservatives with 119 uh, seats. And, oh, since we are talking songs off the uh, top of the show uh, here today, I was thinking maybe a good theme for last night's election might be this. Meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. Oh, yes, meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. Justin Trudeau continues as uh, prime minister. Actually, come to think of it, uh, maybe this would also be a good theme for last night. Anybody got that one? Ah, Maxine Nightingale with a disco classic there. We're going to get right back to where we started from, which is, again, pretty much uh, what happened. Listen, we got an expert panel joining us to break down what went down last night. Kim Wright from Wright Strategies, John Capobianco from Fleischman Hillard High Road, both join us here on Global News Radio. Welcome to you both. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. I wasn't expecting a dance party, but this all worked out nicely. (laughs) Well, uh, Kim, let me start with you, because there are a few uh, dancing, uh, mostly uh, liberals here after uh, last night. All of these predictions of a tight race and a long night. I mean, a liberal victory was declared fairly early on. Uh, Kim, what exactly happened, do you think? So it was interesting to watch what was happening in Atlantic Canada. What became very evident very very quickly uh, was that the Liberals weren't making the gains in the inroads that they were expected to. In fact, they lost a couple of cabinet ministers over the course of the evening, uh, including uh, Bernadette Jordan, the fisheries minister, uh, Marion Montsef, uh, and uh, in Peterborough, Kawartha, and a couple of other folks. So there was some certainly some shifting of sands. Uh, and, and all parties experience that in every campaign. Uh, some of those are self-inflicted. Uh, some of those are, you know, really interesting, you know, people who, you know, people who won that have just like pounded the pavement and, and made it happen. Uh, so there's some shuffling around. Uh, I heard it earlier described as the most expensive cabinet shuffle in Canadian history. Uh, we'll still, still to be determined on that. Uh, but, Here's what I'll tell you and what I tell everyone who's disappointed their favorite candidate didn't win and or their least favorite candidate did or anywhere in between. Voters are never wrong. And what they decide, whether I may not like always, but they're never wrong. And they went back to the prime minister and said, nope, you're still not we're still not giving you a majority government. We're not sure you can handle the keys to the to the castle uh, like we did in, in 15. Uh, so figure out how to work in the political sandbox, figure out how to work for Canadians and not just talk, but actually move on things that matter to people, pharmacare, healthcare, the environment, and the list goes on and on. 
All right, that might have been the message from the electorate, but again, the Liberals, John, came fairly close to another majority. Again, 158 seats when they needed 170. Uh, Justin Trudeau had a five-point lead early on in this campaign that seemingly evaporated, but uh, what do you think had tipped the scales in favor of the Liberals last night? Well, I should say, and just to address one of Kim's point about the voters are always right, she is right about that, they always are, but I was a former candidate in 2004 and 2006, and I lost, and at that point I would say I disagree with the voters. But It was the only two times I think the voters were wrong, John. All kidding aside, look, I think that um, uh, it was a, a huge disappointment for, for the Liberals, for sure. I think everyone knows that, that the Prime Minister got into this election because he wanted a majority government. He talked about it. He talked about how he thought the, the, the Parliament previous was toxic and was not functioning right and that he wanted a clear mandate and, and wanted to go. And he knew that he was going to go at the time that he did because he was at least 10 points ahead. Um, but, but so to come in and have the exact same result, give or take one or two or three writings, which are still being, uh, are still being counted is a huge disappointment. And I think more importantly, Jeff, for him to come out last night and say that he won a huge mandate, uh, from Canadians and a clear mandate, is just, it's just wrong. I think that there's no question that they didn't vote for him necessarily. They, they obviously didn't, didn't vote for the other parties in some way, shape or form because they all got the same level of vote. Um, so I think there was a huge disappointment amongst the Liberals, and, and, and I think it's going to cause a bit of a, a, another toxic environment with, with Parliament, the one that he wanted to clean up, because he's now completely uh, beholden to the NDP. I think that the NDP, despite the fact that they only won one seat, um, are going to have a huge amount of power in this Parliament because the Prime Minister is weakened, power base, and he's going to have to rely on the NDP. So that means a lot more money, a lot more checks to be signed, uh, and a lot more, uh, you know, money that the Canadian taxpayers already had to fork over for $600 million for this election campaign are going to have to continue to do over the course of the next, you know, 18 months, if that. Okay, let's shift our, shift our focus to the Conservatives for a second. Again, 119 seats so far, a few more ridings still to be determined. But, Kim, where do you think last night's results leave the Conservatives and their leader, Aaron O'Toole? For me, one of the things I was watching was the tone of Aaron O'Toole. This was the first time in the last, frankly, the last year, year and a half, that I got the sense that this was a guy who wanted the job he, he currently had as, as as the leader of a party. Uh, he, he showed some vigor to uh, what he was saying, and he was basically uh, saying to the people within the Conservative Party, okay, time to get on with this. Stop with the infighting. He's going to have to do some caucus management to be sure. There are going to be people in, in Alberta, some of the MPs, who might think that you know they lost they lost that seat to in Edmonton, Greece, back to the New Democrats, an extraordinary uh, NDP candidate, uh, Blake Desjardins, uh, who, who beat an incumbent conservative. And they'll be wanting to howl for blood. But here's what I know. Campaigns are about how much you work at it and how hard you get at it and all those doors. So where you pick up seats, where you lose seats, you have to do some soul searching. Aaron O'Toole is going to have to spend the next a few days in particular, mollifying his caucus, unifying his caucus and figure out what they stand for. Um, And some of that infighting that he has had over the past year, uh, whether it's been on the Derek Sloan types or the Cheryl Gallant types, uh, versus, you know, an Eric Duncan who really did want to bring forward 
much more progressive side of the conservative universe, uh, how they're going to reconcile that. They've got some new people in their caucus, like Melissa Lanceman uh, from Thornhill and uh, Adam Chambers in Simcoe North. So they've got some new blood. Uh, I think Aaron O'Toole can manage this, but he's got to come out today pretty strong and saying, this is where I'm taking the party uh, and come along for the ride. John, this is uh, now three losses in a row for the Conservatives, right? We go back to Stephen Harper in 2015 and two in the last two years for the Conservatives. So is the problem uh, this time around, is it Aaron O'Toole, the the leader? Do they need to have some sort of a leadership uh, convention or review? Or do do you think they've really got to ask some tough questions about uh, where they stand as a party and uh, where is conservatism right now? Where is it in the political landscape in Canada? Well, I think it's, it's exactly the wrong thing to do is to have a leadership review, or not a leadership review, obviously we'll have a leadership review, but to have a leadership contest. I think that Aaron O'Toole uh, performed well. I think that his speech last night, his, his uh, you know, or I should say this morning, uh, was exactly right, that he admitted that there were some mistakes that they're going to do, they're going to learn from those, that, that he needs to lead and run this party over into the next little election, knowing that it could very well be as, as, as short as 18 months, which is typically the the time frame for minority governments. But let's put this in perspective, Jeff. He, he got elected as a leader just over a month, a year ago, during the pandemic. And, and you know, and during the pandemic, you know, being a leader of the official opposition is never an easy, an easy job at the best of times, but especially when you're in a, in a sort of a national or a global crisis, when most people are focusing on the prime minister or the premiers for their announcements. Uh, very few Canadians knew who he was. His polling numbers were low. His popularity numbers, as far as, you know, people wanting him to be prime minister, were extremely low. So we get into this election based on that, because I think the prime minister wanted to capitalize on the fact that he didn't have high numbers. And within a short period of time, he was able to catch up with the, to the prime minister, not only in the polling numbers, but also in, you know, almost matching him with, 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 with the vote of who wants to be the best prime minister. So from that perspective, he made significant gains. Did he make some mistakes in the campaign? Sure. But at the end of the day, I think Canadians had a better view of Aaron O'Toole uh, and a good view of Aaron O'Toole. And I think he just needs to build on that. So I think it'd be foolish for us as a party to go into a leadership view and change that now when Canadians have a view of him. And I mean, Kim's right. I think he's got to go back to caucus. He's got to regroup and reevaluate what's going on. But I think his brand of conservatism worked and I think can work uh, as long as you know he, he continues to distill and, and, and exemplify what he wants to do and how he wants to do it over the next little while. And he's got some time now to do it in a minority government. Joined by Kim Wright and John Capabianco going over last night's election results. And Kim, let me ask you about the NDP. Last night's uh, results, how does it affect the New Democrats? And does Jagmeet Singh still kind of hold the balance of power in Ottawa? Yeah, and look, we wanted to make sure that we highlighted what was actually happening on the ground in Canada, not just the platitudes, not just the ribbon cuttings and all of the, the, all of the pretty stuff about what was happening in Indigenous communities, what was happening on the ground in Alberta for our healthcare workers, giving voice to people who don't always get the headlines or the national attention. We did a lot of that. We built up a lot of writings that, you know, New Democrats don't generally, you know, play really well in some writings. But I look at Renfrew Nipissing Pembroke last night, where the NDP candidate came in a strong second. That is not exactly fertile ground for New Democrats, but we're finding that and we're building up that those 
those coalitions and those people uh, to continue to move forward. Would I have liked to have seen a few more seats in our column? Absolutely. Am I profoundly disappointed uh, that in Spadina, Fort York, uh, the liberal candidate uh, has sexual misconduct uh, charges that he didn't disclose uh, to voters or his party uh, and that he remains on the ballot and will will sit as a quote-unquote independent? Yes, absolutely. Those are things that irk the hell out of me right now. Uh, but what Jigmeet Singh did and the energy that he brought forward I thought was really quite remarkable and changing the conversations that we were having uh, in our country. Would I have liked better results? Sure. But here's what I know about New Democrats. Uh, When they go to the House of Commons, especially in a minority parliament, they make sure that the things that matter to Canadians, and we can all agree on this panel, that things like the wage subsidy when it was first introduced was terrible. There was a reason that no businesses were taking them up on it because it wasn't working. So New Democrats worked those phones to ministers and to PMO and got better results. We can talk about that on a whole range of issues. That's what that caucus is going to do when they get back to Ottawa and really make sure that the focus is on what matters and not just the platitudes. With our election panel, Kim Wright from Wright Strategies, John Capabianco from Fleischman Hillard High Road on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.